Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Invisible World podcast show. Here in Brazil, the na- it's a nice weather, very hot. Gilberto Silva, this side of the world. Chase, how are you, my friend? Okay, Every- everything okay? All good over here. It's absolutely scorching. So I'm down in the heart of Sussex, a tiny little village called Stenning, and it's absolutely roasting. Um, so, yeah, so... I kind of went a little bit nuts over the weekend and bought a hot tub, which is basically a garden jacuzzi. Um, so the kids and my girlfriend have been, are going, they're going it about eight times a day. So I sit here working my ass off, making podcasts, working for True Challenge and things, and they're sitting in the hot tub. It's just disgusting. As somebody has to work, my friend, don't worry. I'm doing the same thing here from Brazil. Here in my hotel, you know, just do some work. Just make sure everyone is doing the the correct things here, uh, especially in terms of all the recommendation about um, you know take care, especially about this coronavirus. You know, it's quite a long time for everyone, but we are, you know, we have to be resilient and patient and do what we have to do. Yeah. But, so what's going uh, on in Brazil? Is, he, is there are you still in lockdown? What's, what's sort of the situation? Yeah, some partial lockdown in some place. Uh, some markets start to open. But um, following the recommendation, you know, everyone to wear the masks and so on. And uh, everyone, you know, is just uh, looking for who is to end up this nightmare. You know, it's a nightmare for everyone because people don't know exactly what's the right procedure, what they have to do properly you know, to keep everyone safe. But it's important everyone you now follow the rules and uh, special with the masks and uh, sanitizer. Having these uh, all the time with them when they need to go out, to buy some food or do some other things they have to do. This is uh, it's very important for everyone. But uh, in the meantime, what I can, uh, I know what's very good because we are starting to listen around, you know, with the return of football. And uh, we can be creative, do some other things as we have from for today. Nice, absolutely. Also, I don't think there's any chance of the coronavirus getting in your ears. Those are the biggest headphones I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I could be like, it's like the pilot uh, yeah. headphones. We like like the, the pilots, you know, I don't have any. Sorry? You're like the guy on a battleship when the plane's coming in to land on the ship and you're like doing this with the things directing them in. Exactly. <laughs> Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, it seems like the Mickey Mouse, you know. Yes. But, uh, yeah, well, we, you know, uh, listen to the last few days, you know, at the return of football in England, Germany, mm-hmm. in Brazil as well. The club, some clubs start on training and doing the test for coronavirus, if everything's okay with the players and stuff. This is uh, a positive uh, thing for the football football community. But in general, everyone is football community because even though you, you know, some people don't like football properly, 100%, there is somebody from their family <laughs> talking about football. And I'm sure people are you know, not 100%, but, uh, you know, happier compared to a few weeks ago where nobody could see, uh, you know, um, 
some situation like this, you know, the, the competition starts in properly like we have seen the last weekend. Mm. Nice, yeah, it's good to see. Because I know the UFC, um, they've done two shows, I think. The UFC was the MMA stuff, the fights. Um, and they've done two and there's been, I think, in fact, I think there was a Brazilian in the first episode, the first episode, the first show they did was UFC 249. And mm -hmm. is it Jacare? I think it was Jacare was fighting there and he actually tested positive, but he, didn't, he had was asymptomatic. So he, he wasn't feeling sick. He just was like a carrier. And so him and his corner men were taken out. Um, and so, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so the UFC have kind of kept it going, which is, is interesting. Um, then obviously the Bundesliga started last Saturday. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think, I think everyone's just watching to see what happens. Like if you're a club mm -hmm. or, or a, a federation, you're just watching to see what happens with everything to make sure that, the last thing we want to launch is, is a, the Premier League or the Champions League or anything like this. Mm. And suddenly, you're one player getting sick, but one, one player dying or something is, is going to be sad. Or, or one of the sort of people that aren't playing the non-pitch, the non-footballing the non staff, if someone in the assistant team gets ill and, and then takes it to his family, that's how it's going to sort of kick off again. Um, so it's going to be interesting how it all pans out. Uh, but I think I saw an article yesterday that said... Um, they tested 750 Premier League players and six tested positive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting to know what's their benchmark. So are they going to go, well, we're not going to go, we're not going to start the league until we test 750 players and no one tests positive. I mean, that's going to be maybe a year's time. Yeah. Um, uh, the, it's, you know, even though some, they start training, and testing the players, you know, it's still uncertain about, you know, if they are ready to start the league or to restart the league yeah. <laughs> and to finish uh, the season this, this year. Let's see, hope, you know, in uh, the next few days we have like um, a better answer from, uh, from the clubs and from the authorities, you know, in connection to FA to see how, you know, how things go in the next few days. Yeah, the thing I saw a bit about Troy Deeney was like, I've got a six-month-old son who's got lung problems. Um, I'm not going to go and play and bring him back, bring it, bring, potentially bring it back to him because he was saying that they weren't allowed to shower at the ground, so they'd have to train and then drive home in the clothes that they were training in and shower at home. Mm -hmm. um, so he was like, I'm not doing that for my kids. And I think, obviously, as we spoke last week, family comes first. Yeah, yeah I've seen about him and... Uh, this morning I read about N'Golo Kante, he doesn't want to train as well. You know, it's like, uh, despite the fact some clubs decide to train and test the players, and uh, in these moments of uncertainty, as people are not sure about uh, their security, you know, but one thing, they go uh, for a training session, they do all the tests, but the other things is after the training, what they do, you know, on the way back home if there is any kind of problem. I think this is the concern, which is relevant for me. They have to think about it, you know, and uh, find what's the common sense right now in this tough time to everyone, you know. I think that for the clubs and for the league, it would be fantastic to, to start immediately. And then you have the players, you have to think about this, the security of the players, but not only for the players, but, but their families. You know, their families are part of football as well. 
because uh, you know as long as he say okay i cannot shower here in the club and uh, then what do i do i go home and shower at home what if i get an infection this process of training with my clothes and so on you know we have to find what's the right balance what's the right thing to do because this situation is new you know we i think everyone have to work together to find you know the the, the best solution to to everyone you know for the clubs for the players families the leagues and uh, government and so on yeah well i don't see so um with we spoke about this earlier this so joe rogan has a podcast and he's been filming podcast every day throughout the whole lockdown mm-hmm. in, out, in, out in la and what he does is he has a doctor come in and then so the guest he's in the studio the guest comes into the front room and stays there the doctor comes in and does the, the nose like nasal um, check mm-hmm. where he sticks a bit of thing down his nose and the guy stay there uh, and until the results come through so they, it takes maybe half an hour or whatever for the results to come through and as soon as they're positive they go through why don't they do something like that so every morning every player everyone who goes to the training ground gets a nose swab um, and they go right you're sick get fuck out of here or you're ill yet come on you go because that's how you're going to contain it isn't it yeah. yeah, let's see. Let's see how how it goes the next few days. I think uh, as the club starts training, I think they they will come out with a, a solution because one come with one idea. Why not try it like this or like that? You know, and uh, the doctors, everyone being together or somehow together, <laughs> and they'll find you know what what can be the best solution because until you try things, you don't know exactly what to do this is what i you know i think but as long as they start training that somebody come with the one one idea the managers players staff the doctors and uh, despite of despite that and the good thing you know um, as long we cannot talk much about uh, football on the field you know even though german, in german uh, the bundesliga without funds, which is not the, 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 the best scenario. But from our side here, we still have a lot, some things to talk about. Football, you know, it's uh, some idea we have uh, for this show today. It is. You ready? We're going to be Yes, doing... always ready. You're born ready, mate. Uh, so we're going to be doing the Gilberto Silva ultimate all-time Brazilian eleven. So, we're going to be going through current players, past players, players you played with, legends of Brazil, and bring together the ultimate Brazilian eleven. So, first, I guess the first question is, are you starting up front? No, no, the first question, (laughs) (laughs) the first question uh, is what formation are we going to have? Um, Let's see, four, three, three, my friends. Four, three, three. Cool. So we'll start off at the back. Um, so what we're going to be doing is Gilbert, we'll be talking about three or four players in each position, uh, and then you will put out on. I think Gilbert is going to put out on his Twitter and an Instagram story for you to vote on who you want in that position. So, for example, we're going to talk about goalkeepers in a minute. Um, I guess Dida might be there, Marcus. We'll talk about it in a minute. But then once the players we talk yeah. about, we'll be putting on a vote. And then we'll be at the end of, uh, we're gonna, this is probably cover four, 
for podcasts. At the end of the final podcast, we'll then put together and talk about the whole team and how we think it would work. Negatives, strategy. I imagine it's going to be attack. Who have we got between the sticks? Who's in goal? What are the options, do you think? In goal, um, I'll put Dida, Marcos, Tafarel. Tafarel. Yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. Maybe, how many goalkeepers do we, do we choose? Three or four? Don't mind. Well, let's talk about how many you got. So let's talk about... Um, okay, I can put, uh, we can put uh, Rogério Ceni as well, because he was in, uh, with us in 2002. So let's talk, anyone else? I think we, you know, those, those are fine. Four is more than enough for goalkeeper, we have to choose one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so let's go through, you said Dida first. Yeah. What's he like? Oh, Tita. Oh, Tita. Oh, he's, he's a brilliant guy. Fantastic guy. And a fantastic professional. Uh, he seems, uh, you know, very cold on the field. You know, he's always serious. And uh, I, I always thought, how could be for, uh, for somebody else taking a penalty on him? How hard it would be? How hard it it was, you know. I remember once uh, when he was playing in Brazil for Corinthians, playing against São Paulo, Rai missed two penalties against him. Really? He defended both of both penalties. And, uh, you know, I don't think it would be a good idea to be the penalty shooter. No. So is he big? <laughs> was, he, was he quite Yeah, tall? he's massive. He's massive guy. That's all, do you think? I think he's almost two meters. I think 196 or 98, something like that. Yes. He's very tall. Sorry? Six foot five, six foot six, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Probably. Big for a goal, isn't it? Well, big for yeah, yeah. So, he, he was very fast as well. Was it, he seemed like point, quite long. He was... He said quite long arms and legs, no? Long arms. <laughs> Very long. <laughs> <Like a> spider. <laughs> Open up his, his arms and go for penalty, you know? You don't see any space where to put the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I remember you telling a story last week um, about, not last week, a couple of weeks ago, about him looking after Ronaldo and staying up with him all night uh, before the World Cup final. Yeah, yeah. He said that the other day, you know, in the group we had, on, uh, mentioned that uh, he was looking after Ronaldo. And uh, because Ronaldo was quite anxious before the final. And uh, you see how important, uh, you know, any player in the group, despite the fact they play or not, because Dida didn't play any game, but he was very important, you know, uh, yeah. in the group, you know, to help, you know, for, for his professionalism. And so on. And this day, before the final, he was uh, together with Ronaldo, talking to him, and uh, and you know, try to keep him, uh, you know, concentrated, not think about the problem from nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Nice. Um, so then we all... have uh, uh, Marcos. Yeah. So what, what was so what sort of goal, what was Dida's yeah. strengths? What were his strengths? Obviously he said penalties. I think he, his calmness his calmness was one of his strengths for me. Apart from his 
you know, his ability on goal, because uh, he could have a, a very good explosion, you know, from, to go from one side to another. Even though he was, he, he's very tall, he could get the ball on the floor, you know, and jump, you know, in, in a, with a, you know, he could be fast, jump to another side, you know. And this, for me, was, you know, especially for his size, was not so easy to do when he had to, he need to, to jump to another, another side. And he could be fast doing this. The reflection of him was something very, very good. Mm. So did he play for AC Milan? Yes. Yeah. He had a very good career. Yeah, he did. What, um, did you ever play against him? I think we played. I, I played against Milan once. I think he was on goal. I think so. For Arsenal. I think so. Okay. Um, not many times. <laughs> so is he good at Not many times. <laughs> he didn't score. Well, um, so was he good at like crossing? Was he good at shot stopping? Like shutting down one yeah. ones? What was he good at? Uh, on crossing, he was good because he he had an advantage of his size, you know, and he could get the ball in the air and immediately play up front, you know, trying to find any of the guys, you know, who could um, get the ball on the side. Or play the striker, yeah. you know, and he didn't have maybe like the best pass, but uh, he could put uh, the ball, you know, very very far with his hand. Just throw it. But he, this is yeah, but I but I think one v one is something for me. I think would be very difficult for for a striker because yeah. he was tall. He's tall. Long, long arms, you know, he could st stay you know, as long as he could, you know, up until he, he tried to make a pressure on the strike. Yeah. Nice. Force yeah. him make the mistake. And quick as well, you said. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Then the legend that is Tafarel. I was trying to think of his, when, I was, when we came up with this, so I was trying to think of what that goalkeeper was. Because it was the, the guy whose hair was going, right? You know what's very interesting about him? You know, we, you know, many people remember him a lot because uh, against Italy, he, he defended the penalties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, been uh, after 20, I think 24 years without winning the World, the World Cup. And uh, the World Cup being decided against Italy on penalty, all the focus was special on him. Yeah. <laughs> and he made a very important save and a wrong. He just knew on the floor, you know, thanks God for you know for this uh this you know this championship, this yeah. World Cup, you know, it is massive. It's amazing. But we he, he cast the ball in the air or make a pass, something like this, and he saved. So was it yeah. which World Cup did he win? Ninety-four. Is that in the US? US. Yeah, I think ninety-eight. He was in France, but uh, we know the result. <laughs> was that um, was that when uh, Roberto Baggio missed? Exactly. Yeah, this one. And uh, he was like, uh, you know, uh, especially on the penalty shoot, one of the most important guys because he made. 
you say, yeah. one or two, what you say, something like this. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, Baggio missed the last one. Can you hit it over? He launched it over, didn't he? Exactly. I think he, he defends one from one tennis from Masaro. Okay. Sorry. Uh, he was really he's special, but he's not, he he was he's not very tall compared to Dida, for example. Yeah. Because Dida and the other goalkeeper I mentioned uh, is taller than than, than him. I, he was very fast. You know, he his explosion. Uh, you know, uh, in goal or something very special. Could be fast and jump you know, quite easily. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what was his, what was Tafarel's skills? Shot stopping, corners. I think, I think this, uh, this, his speed. I think I could mention about his speed of, uh, you know, standing still and uh, jump to the ball to the to make the saves. And this, uh, for me, was his strength. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not. Uh, Told like Dida, for example, and he had to to use his explosion to, to make the save. Okay. Nice, interesting. Um, was it Marcos next? Marcos, oh Marcos, he was uh, the goalkeeper of uh, the whole World Cup in yeah. 2002. He was a very special guy, you know, and. Uh, very funny as well. <laughs> we love to, to sit next to him after the dinner to listen to his stories. He, he had a lot of stories. It looks like he's older than what exactly he is <laughs> because he, he knows a lot of stories. But yeah. um, on, in Go, you know, he was um, very focused on what he needs to do. And he knew that um, his competition to be the number one in that World Cup was massive. And uh, the good thing, because, uh, you know, he played uh, with Scolari at Palmeiras, you know, okay. before uh, Scolari joined the national team. He knew him uh, very much. And, um, but, uh, you know, but he is a tall guy as well. He's a tall guy. Maybe not that fast compared to Gida yeah. or taller like him, but he was he could uh, use like um, let's say his explosion to make the saves. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Maybe not uh, not the best not the best passing guy, <laughs> but uh, good with the hand. Good as well. <laughs> Which was more important exactly. Well, he's obviously from a generation where goalkeepers were just there to save the goal. They weren't supposed to be like uh, Allison or um, uh, Edison. 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 They actually are excellent footballers with the ball at their feet. He's not. They, the goalkeepers won't like that. Exactly. So, one question I was going to ask. So, it's quite famous oh. that all goalkeepers are crazy. Are all four of these crazy people? Generally, yeah. <laughs> we have another name, but I can. We have another name we say, but I cannot say this right now. I okay. will tell you in private. Okay, fine. fine. <laughs> Just to make fun of them, you know. Yeah. Because when we, when we talk about goalkeeper, especially in Brazil, you know, many, many stadiums uh, where they stand still and go, there are no grass. You know, how bad is to be a goalkeeper? 
Um, so what's his name, sorry? Rogério Senni. Okay. Senni. Yeah, okay. exactly. When did he play? Yeah, Rogério Senni was the third goalkeeper. Okay. In our 2002 edition. But um, as Scolari brought him, Marcos, Odida, in my opinion, any of them could be the number one because of their qualities as a goalkeeper. And the, the, the quality of our goalkeeper, goalkeepers was amazing, was massive. Any of them could be the number one that nobody would, let's say, pay attention to it because we were, let's say, safe, you know, on goal. And uh, Rogério had a great career at Sao Paulo, the club. Now he played in his club, this club for his entire career uh-huh. until he retired. And um, now he's a coach. But uh, and also another thing, very curious, because after the World Cup, uh, there was, uh, I think he got like, you know, that there was a say here that uh, Arsenal wants to bring him to the club. But I don't know exactly what, if there's some, something went wrong, did not work. What I really know that you know, 100% sure, is that uh, they want to have Marcos. Arsenal wants to sign Marcos after the World Cup. And uh, somehow Marcos didn't want to go to Arsenal because he was very close to his, to his parents. And that would be like a big move for him, you know. His parents, I think, was at that time a bit old. He was finding difficult to leave their parents, you know, his style, which was not very far from Sao Paulo where he was living, playing for Palmeiras. But Rogério, there was, after this episode with Marcos and Arsenal, there was um, another situation involving Rogério Senni, mm-hmm. because he was doing very well for São Paulo. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it did not work. But he was, uh, let's say, about his ability, he was, I think, in terms of, uh, I think he was, more or less, one of the goalkeepers from this generation who started to play with his feet. He was very good. Yeah, he was very good. He was, uh, oh, he was like, uh, he take a, he scored a lot of goals on free kicks. Amazing goals. Yeah, he was the best. He was, you know, some people compare him with Ronaldinho, Junior Pernambucano. Really? Yeah, he scored a lot of goals. I don't know exactly. I'll find out maybe for the next show how many goals he scored. Mm. He was like the captain of São Paulo, you know, the the free kick take and the penalty penalty taker. He scored more goals than many strikers. Was he just lazy? <laughs> was he just lazy? Then when did the running? So he goes, I'll stay in goal, but I'll have, I'll, have, I'll have the penalties and I'll have the free kicks. <laughs> no, but yeah, but he, he was good. He was very important, you know, for us. Having him in the squad was really good. Mm-hmm. In terms of having different skills, but also he, he was not tall like Dida, but uh, he could be fast as well. Nice. Okay. So that's the choice of goalkeepers. So we have Dida, Tafarel, Marcus, and Rogério Senni. So um, there's there's um, some great names in there, some all um, unbelievable goalkeepers as well as you'd expect. Um, so let's move on to the defensive line. So we're going four three three. Well, you said we wanted to you wanted to go four three three. 
So where do you want to start? Do you want to start for, with the left back, right back, centre defenders? Where would you want to start? I start from uh, the right back. Right back. Right back. Okay. Who are we talking about? What are the names you've got? Uh, the right back, you know. Cafu. Mm-hmm. I think Cafu, who else? We can put uh, Leandro. You see, mm-hmm. I think he played in 8-2. Mm-hmm. And um, who else? How many are Three? Three? Four? Well, you only need one name on their cafe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cafu, Leandro, who else? Um, sometimes I'm struggling with the names. Well, who was, uh, who was the Pelos team? The Pelos? 71? 72? Let me make a uh, research. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Carlos Alberto. There you go. Carlos Alberto Torres. That's actually because I thought you said Cafu. Um, and I thought, well, that's it. Cafu's got it. But Carlos Alberto, that's a tough, tough call. Oh, he was a le- he's, a, he's a living legend. Absolutely. He's a, so, he's a legend. Yeah. Can you tell your you know, he died. Quiet, I think. <laughs> 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 um, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nice, right. You're saying, so you're saying Carlos Alberto? Yeah, Carlos Alberto. He's a legend. You know, he died. It's a big loss for us. But he's a. So he went he's to a legend. Die? I don't know exactly. It was two years ago. Oh, two years. Ago. Not far. No, no, not far. Not too long. You know. Mm. Sad time, anyone does. So, what's, what was he? Do you remember? So, do you remember watching him growing up? Not much. I've seen more videos of him. I've watched more videos of him. Yeah. You know, uh, but uh, we could see, and the way uh, he could uh, position himself, his um, his leadership in the team. He was the captain. Uh, he was the captain of Pele, can you imagine that? Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> in the 70s. Mm. And um, it was great. That's amazing. Nice. Um, what was his skill? So you obviously said position. Was he quick? Was it the passing? Creativity? I suppose in that Brazilian team, everyone was creative, right? Well, they, they, that team, they got a lot of uh, good players like himself and... Uh, <laughs> You know, Pele, I think, uh, Tostão up front. And um, some other guys, you know, from his generation. I think he's, he was very, very strong. They, uh, from the videos I saw him, you know, I haven't seen him play properly. But uh, from some videos I saw, I watched from him with Brazil, you know, that time. Uh, but I think what I... I I like very much about his leadership, you know, because uh, be with those guys, you know, those legends, and they, you are the captain of them. You must be a good leader. Mm-hmm. You must behave properly to lead the guys for the the, the common goal, and um, but also his his power 
you know, to be in that position. For the guys are from to be a good defensive player. Okay, uh, obviously he played with him, and he did he win? He played in four World Cups. Yeah, Cafu is amazing. Cafu is like um, what can I say? So much power. You know, he's powerful on the right, on the right side, good defender. You know, but he was very fast going forward. You know, good speed and very powerful. And um, two times, maybe not uh, like um, people criticize people criticize him about his cross, but it's not as people mentioned he was. You know, some some journalists are Cafu. He got power. He's very powerful. He can he can support up front, but his cross not the best. But it's not like the, the those guys mentioned. You know. But his leadership as well was something very, very important for us back in 2002. Mm -hmm. okay. That's amazing. Brilliant. Uh, Leandro? Oh, Leandro. Leandro played for Flamengo. I watched him uh, many times play for Flamengo. I was a kid uh, watching the games. He, he was very skillful. He was very skillful. And uh, he, you, you did not, you know, what's the best leg of him? It was the right or left. Really? He could do both, you know, with the work with the both legs, you know, dribble, you know, very easy for him. If you watch uh, some of his videos, mm. play for Flamengo and the national team, sometimes he was on the right, sometimes he was at the left. He could be playing both sides easily, Amazing. easily. Yeah, his ability was something for me very unique in this position. But also, there's another, another, another right back. You know, I, I want to mention Joy is Jorginho. Jorginho was is another is another one, and Jorginho uh, was very good. So maybe not very powerful like Cafu or Carlos Alberto, but um, his cross was fantastic. I think this was like. Uh, now the the main strength is main strength of him, okay. and um, he could defend. But his main strength was going forward. And uh, you see, I mentioned I would I would say three. I end up with four. Yeah, exactly. It's like we say <laughs> our podcast be an hour, they end up being two. Um, <laughs> um, well, that's the same. Exactly. So right back, we've got Cafu, Leandro, Carlos Alberto, or Jorginho. Exactly. Okay. Have four. Some tough calls in there, man. So, yeah. like, um, I'm not going to give my opinion, but I, I think I know who I would choose for a goalkeeper. Um, and I thought when we were talking, thinking about it, I said, "So, who do you think Roberto um, should play right back?" And you said Cafu first. And I was like, "That's it. We don't need any more names. That's it." Then you got Carlos Alberto. It's it's a tough call between the two of them, right? See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what really shit tough. game we come up with? <laughs> we just got to upset people. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, it's good. I think it's important. We have an ideas of of players that we we believe were you know very good on that time, and uh, it's it's good to have this interaction with them to give that opinion. We have these ideas because they are from different generations. You know, exactly. for example, Cafu and Jorginho, the same. But Leandro, 
different generation. Carlos Alberto, different generation. You know, all fantastic players. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's good to to bring the memories of I know uh, to let's say make people think about this play, especially Leandro, Carlos Alberto. You know, more on let's say old generation, and to bring yeah. them to the present because it's quite common. You know, sometimes we forget some players. You know, the names because people don't don't mention their names quite often because new players comes on. You know, new competition and so on. It's good when you talk about these players that we, we think they, they were important on that time and still important for the history of football. So that's the end of the episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, this week we've covered goalkeepers and right backs. Next week will be left backs and central defenders. Uh, we'll be putting a vote out on Gilberto's social media, so keep an eye on that. Uh, make sure you get involved and look forward to speaking to you next week.